0: Oh Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're talking about unforgettable doula moments. March 22nd through March 28th is World Doula Week, and so I wanted to do a bit of celebrating by bringing you some fabulous birth moments from my doula perspective. And of course, I'll be digging deeper by telling you why I think these moments are special. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Fullscript, the number one online supplement dispensary for healthcare practitioners and their patients. Get the exact supplements your healthcare provider recommends on a consistent basis right to your door. Find out more at fullscript.com slash birthful. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Bump Boxes, the monthly pregnancy subscription box that delivers healthy pregnancy, mom, and baby products. Get 35% off your first box in a subscription with code BIRTHFUL at BumpBoxes.com. The Birthful Podcast. Talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you so, so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. And if what you hear is helpful, then please do take a few minutes to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook or on Google, or even if you just tell your friends about it, that would be fantastic. It does really help. Quick announcement that starting in the end of April, I'm going to be adding stories on a weekly basis to the podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Yeah. But... I don't want to just share birth stories, I want to share all kinds of stories as well. So if you want to help others by telling us your postpartum story or your breastfeeding story, your partner would like to tell their story, then go to birthful.com and send me a message about it. I really look forward to hearing what you have to say. And speaking of stories, I'm doing things a little bit different today for this episode because March 22nd to March 28th is World Doula Week, and I wanted to do a bit of celebrating by bringing you some fabulous birth moments, but from the doula perspective. Also, I want to make sure you know that I have permission to share the stories that I'm going to share today. As you've heard me say before, birth is magical. It pushes you to your absolute edges. It requires all parts of you to show up. It's diverse, sometimes simple, sometimes complicated and I am always, always immensely honored to be there for the clients that hire me to witness that raw transformative power that takes place when baby and parents meet for the very first time. I mean, there's really no words for that. But Before you get to that magical moment of meeting baby, and even after it, there's a lot of other moments that need to happen, which can have a lot of magic of their own. Those are the moments I'm going to be talking about today. And I hope that aside from celebrating with me, because yay, these moments will also give you a better understanding of what a doula does. Aside from the dry definition, the one that you can find everywhere of providing physical, emotional and informational support, which is true. Yes, we do that, but we do so much more like we listen, we witness, we hold space, we encourage and reassure. We get really, really creative. We make sure you are heard. We even push our own bodies and emotions to some of those edges right there with you. We show up with an open mind and an open heart to see what we can do for you and we do what it takes. I often park cars because that's a way that I can like just send clients, when we get to the hospital, send clients up to registration and I park my car and park their car and that way you know, partner and mom can stay together. And and that that little thing is helpful. So that's, we do all the things. Um, It was really, really hard to pick just 10 moments because there's been so many amazing ones. But I loved going back through all my records and remembering each and every birth I've been to. So Above all, a big, enormous, heartfelt thanks to all the families that have had me as their doula. You've made it an amazing decade. Okay, so here's where I usually tell you a little bit about my guests. so I'm going to tell you a bit about me instead. I am a birth doula, an eco-maternity consultant, a postpartum educator, and a child sleep consultant. In 2016, I received Dono's Advanced Doula designation, which is awarded to their most highly skilled and dedicated doulas, and that totally made my year. It was fabulous. Um, I'm also a bestselling author, a speaker, and as you are well aware, a podcast host. Of course, the title that most fills my heart is that of mom. All right. So here we go on to the doula moments. This first one speaks to the physical aspects of birth. You know, you have a baby in a certain position that has to go through a pelvis that is also in a certain position. And sometimes these don't quite line up and it can feel like the birth has stalled or isn't going anywhere or, you know, mom's getting really tired. It can be frustrating. This mama's, this particular mama's water had released with a gush around four thirty in the morning during early labor, and about twelve hours later she was five to six centimeters, so just getting into active labor. But she was feeling tired, and it seemed that baby was posterior. We've been doing a bunch of moving around, some stuff, lots of stuff from spinning babies, and which spinningbabies.com is a such an amazing, amazing resource for all things that have to do with the physical aspect of birth. Um, Gail Tully and her crew, her her team is are amazing at providing suggestions and that website gets better and better every day. So anyway, so we were doing a bunch of stuff from Spinning Babies um, and also trying to, and a lot of movement, but balancing it with rest. At one point, we, she was on hands and knees, and there was a gush of water with meconium. And then around 6.30 p.m., shortly thereafter, the doc came in to talk about options because they were starting to get, you know, a little concerned. Not so bad, but just wanting to pay attention to what was going on. Um, Here's Shelley, actually, the mom, to tell us a little bit about how this was for her.
1: I was at a point where baby was posterior, and I wasn't progressing enough, um, but expending a lot of energy. I you know we had I had to get oxygen. And um, at one point, I think I was laying on my side and had possibly the baby was laying on the umbilical cord. So we had to um, flip over and get her heart rate stabilized for um, sort of feeling a little disheartened. And my doctor suggested a few options because he wanted to kind of kick it into gear because I hadn't been progressing at all. Um, So he suggested Pitocin, possibly manually rotating her or trying more um, birth positions to see if we could get her to flip. Um, And I know you could sense the horror I felt at the mention of manual rotation um, and also the despair that I felt over getting Pitocin. I was really um, not adamant that my goal was to have a natural birth um, and to not have any sort of interventions Um, and you were so calm and collected and encouraged me to try another position. Um, and your demeanor made me feel calm and collected, which was really important. Um, and I think just standing up to try the new position, actually at that moment, I believe the baby had flipped, um, and that in itself worked. But, um, what stands out in my mind is just the calmness and encouraging encouragement that you had and to make both Gavin and I feel calm um, during a time that was a little bit stressful and, and could have been a turning point to a path that I didn't want to go down, and what I was—I can't remember if I was stuck at maybe six, and then just within there, I went from six to nine and a half, just just like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember it was just like that. She you know, was on the bed and decided to change positions. And as she stood up from the bed, we were going to try other things. She stood up from the bed and boop, a contraction came. And she feels more rectal pressure and another contraction comes and she feels she's sounding different. And so the doctor says, how about we check you? Just because he had a feeling that the baby had rotated as well. And she was nine and a half centimeters shortly thereafter, a bit longer. She started pushing and within two hours of that moment, the baby was born. So never underestimate the power of a position change. It's so important to keep trying different things to find that position that changes everything in an instant. And I think that's what helps, you know, she mentions how calm I was, but it helps me be calm just because I know that what we need to focus on is on the movement. And on, on making things change just like that. You know, there's a, a team of care providers focus on the medical aspects. So that's nothing for us to worry about. We just focus on on labor and moving and, and things change just like that. So I'm going to start naming my unforgettable doula moments. This one's called Stand and Deliver. <laughs> and so there you go. Stand and Deliver. <laughs> All right. This next one I'm calling When You Can't Give Up Surrender um and it speaks to the mental aspect of birth because you birth I know you birth with your body not with your mind so you need to get that mind out of the way and sometimes that's really hard and this mom she was working so incredibly hard and had circumstances that were tough this was um she had it started with an induction and she'd been at it for a couple of days had decided to get an epidural um but the epidural had was really very light in the sense that she had a lot of leg movement so it, there was an, it was all, she had been told that her baby was very big they had estimated over 11 pounds which of course gets in your head and is very scary uh but she she was very determined to have this baby um vaginally and You know, she's in this position where we're two days in, she is, gets checked and is fully dilated and starts pushing. And, you know, she's feeling more pressure, rectal pressure, and a bit scared and trying to figure things out and tired. And when she starts pushing, we do, she does, you know, suggest, we help her do. All the positions, reclining, squatting on one side to the other side, do a tug of war with the sheet, uh, hands and knees with the rebozo, with a towel. I mean, she had an epidural and she could do hands and knees. That's how much movement she had. And a supportive team and care providers who were okay with her moving this way, knowing that it was safe for her circumstances. And we were, you know, very carefully supporting her. And so we were trying all these things. And um, she's been pushing for quite a bit. I think it's been over to uh, closer to three hours that she's been pushing. And the midwife that's attending um, brings in a, a, an OB for consult and to confirm that. It, and the doctor is fantastic. She confirms that what the mom is doing is great, how she's moving her baby down, and that she can do this. But mom is exhausted, and she asks for a cesarean. She's like, "I'm done. Call it. We're done." And you know the the care providers and all of us are very encouraging because we know this is hard and but we but everybody's very convinced that she can do this that she can push this baby out um and the the ob confirms what the midwife's saying is like there's plenty of space here your baby's big but you have space you can push this baby out. It's all good. And the doctor kinds of you know, when she asks for a cesarean says, Well, okay, we could you know, there's I've got people in the OR right now and so we can't do it right now. You would have to wait for a while. So I can't you can do this. You can push this baby out. Are you gonna are you gonna push the baby out? And the mom responds, Well, you just told me I couldn't have a cesarean, so yeah, I guess. <laughs> Which was poor you know, she was so exhausted, right? So exhausted. But then that's when things change. And I think that's where why I titled this when you can't give up surrender, because birth requires that surrendering that just totally giving in and not fighting it, but just letting the things and the sensations flow through you and and just go with it just trance like almost. So she goes deep inside goes is resting between contractions doing fabulous pushes with contractions really moving the baby and gets into a rhythm and and she keeps moving the baby and and it's almost like a ritual now where we're all waiting and it's very quiet and she pushes and then we support her and cool compresses and wait for another contraction to come and you can tell that she's doing a lot of physical and exhaustion but also a lot of mental work and at one point she shouts just get out, and brings forth a force, like, it was fierce, the amount of strength that she, like, dug up from deep within, and the baby just moves down and out, and the head comes out, and, and, you know, shortly thereafter, the baby, baby's born, and it was, it was, over four hours of pushing, so not for nothing in lots of lots of work, right? But this baby was ten pounds four ounces, um, first time mom, and at an induction of two and a half days. And she did it. She did it. She pushed her baby out. Afterwards, she was so, of course, so happy and thankful and and saying, oh my God, I'm glad you guys didn't give me that cesarean when I asked for it. But it required everything she had. Um, And then it's that, like, to me, this is such a memorable moment because reflects how intensely fierce moms can be and how you've got to get to a point of just really get letting go and give giving birth your all and just being full in into it and there's no there's no way out you just go through it and then you do and so that was her case and having that very supportive team that believed that you know physically you're good this is you've got space you can do this you just got to you just got to do what you need to do and and she got to that mental space but mental space where she could do it and yeah it just blows my mind when i think about how incredibly powerful she was and how she had this to her very big baby um And I know some moms give birth to bigger babies, but this was obviously an immense accomplishment for her. And I was very happy to be there to witness it. All right. My next moment is a V-back at home. And to figure out how that happened, you are going to have to wait until after the break. We'll be right back. One of the most important things new moms and moms-to-be can do for themselves and for a baby who depends on them is to make sure they're getting enough nutrients. A healthy diet certainly goes a long way, but dietary supplements can also help moms get what they need. However, the last thing a pregnant person wants is to run around town trying to track down the exact prenatal vitamin supplement, herbal remedy, or tea that their care provider recommended. You've got enough on your plate. Imagine if your care provider could send the exact recommended product by speedy delivery straight to your door. And imagine if you got a reminder to reorder online just as you're nearing the end of the bottle. Fullscript is an online supplement and natural product dispensary for healthcare practitioners and their patients. If you're a pregnant mama who wants the fast and effortless way to get your supplements and other natural products, ask your healthcare provider to sign you up for Fullscript by going to fullscript.com slash birthful. And if you're a healthcare provider who wants to make sure your patients get the exact products you recommend on a consistent basis and at competitive prices, then sign up for a totally free Fullscript account today at fullscript.com/breathful. birthful. right, this next dual moment I'm calling long coming piece of cake, and sometimes you know one of the things that is very dear to my heart are repeat clients, meaning that I've been there for one birth and then I'm there for another one. And those just have a different feeling to it, right? Because I've known them before, that we have some history. We have some history more than just this this pregnancy. And this mama, I was there for the first one, which was long, hard. It carried on for a long time. It was a long process. And she had prepared and was determined to do a, non, a non-intervention vaginal birth. And it did not end up being that. There was circumstances and cascade of interventions. And she did end up with the cesarean, which was very hard mentally for her. Um, and there was a lot of processing that needed to be done. So once she was pregnant again, she was determined to do things differently. Even though she was very prepared the first time around, she was going to prepare differently for this one and really focus on having a successful vaginal birth after cesarean she decided to do it at home so it was an in, instead of a V back it was an h back and this happened you know she during during pregnancy she did chiropractic care did um went to therapy did homeopathic did um i think she did acupuncture too she did spinning babies every day she we've mentioned spinning babies a lot today <laughs> did spinning babies did A lot of preparation to process the previous birth and sort of feel ready for whatever this next birth was going to throw her way. And then what happened is she called me around 1 a.m. saying, Oh, I don't think, you know, I'm I'm still, I don't need you just yet, but I'm definitely in labor. I'll let you know. I then proceeded, I had a hunch and proceeded to get myself ready and almost at the door. And I was going to drive over to her house and just as I'm like getting because I was going to wait outside her like park outside her house and wait and for her to call me and as uh, that was happening as I was getting ready to leave my house she calls and says okay I need you now so I rush over and I get there and she's doing great beautifully and then Things are moving along, her water breaks, and she's starting to feel, sound different, sound more pushy and a little grunty, and the midwives are not there yet, and the, the her husband has been filling the tub, and the tub is perfectly ready at this time, and she gets in, and I'm trying to be very calm, and like, yeah, you're doing great and awesome, and at the same time, I'm like, what did the midwives say? Let me call them, and I call them, I'm like, where are you guys? <laughs> she's really <laughs> ready to have this baby. Um... And so she gets in the tub. The midwives arrives. She starts pushing, pushes for a little bit. The head comes out. She gives an enormous swear word when the head comes out. Um, And the midwife calmly says, that's the head of your baby that came out. She asks dad if he wants to catch baby. Dad catches baby because he says, of course I want to. Baby comes out. Mom, it was hands and knees, turns over. Baby gets placed on her chest. And she is in absolute bliss, right? She's realizing what's happened. She's saying, my baby, my baby, looking at the baby. And it takes a few minutes. She lands back and looks up at me and says, that was so easy. And oh my gosh, like i that's something I'll never forget, right? Because of that history of I know how hard it was for her to get to this, that was so easy. And the fact that she had it just filled my heart with joy. So, that is one of my very memorable doula moments, which definitely falls into the category of precipitous labor. And if you've never heard that, precipitous labor is the opposite, labor is the opposite of. Prodromal labor. So, prodromal is where things are like not quite starting and you're having contractions and it feels like labor and everything's happening, but it's not actually creating the contractions, aren't creating change or progress. That can go on for days and it's a hard, hard labor that way. This, the opposite of that is precipitous labor, which is labor that happens like super quick, right? So, I said she called me around 1 a.m. to tell me I'm not quite ready yet, but soon you know. I I will be calling you. I think I am in labor. Well, the baby was born at 4 a.m. So it was pretty much start to finish three hours. And it was lucky that, you know, I made it and the midwives made it, which is not quite what happened for my next doula moment. I couldn't decide whether to call it Be Aware of the Deep or Car Baby. The the whole birth needs to be told because, well, first of all, it's short, but also because it's all of it is a moment. This is this mom's second baby. Uh, she was at home. Contractions were coming, but she was very chatty and very talkative and things were like, you know, she her, her first child was still home and her she was waiting for her mom to come, so the child's grandmother, to come pick her up to take her uh, to her house so that this mom could labor without worrying about the other kid. So... You know, when I get there, everything... She's very chatty. Things are happening. The other kids riding a truck around the house. Like, it's active, right? It does not look like anywhere near we're going to have a baby and so then the mom comes and she leaves and this mom's still chatty and then she's like you know i'm feeling a little tired she was doing great leaning over uh and on, onto like the countertop when contractions came but then she was like tut, 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 and asking did you break that and did you pack that other to to her husband and then suddenly she's like you know what i'm feeling tired um and I suggest, well, do you want to lie down? I ask, do you want to lie down and do the couch? So she does and she lays down on the couch and she starts cocooning and which I love that going deep, deep cocooning face. She goes deeper and deeper. She's like going there and we're all supporting her and it's very quiet and it's magical. And then something in my head goes, um we better like if we're going to the hospital we better get going because this is she's really going deep here and we better get moving and I so we kind of suggest how about you go to the bathroom and then we maybe consider going to the hospital or let's see what happens that have you because contractions aren't that intense as she's lying down she gets up and then they start being way more intense gravity kicks in it takes about six contractions for her to be able to go to the bathroom and get out as soon as she gets out you know while she's doing that husband and i are making signs to each other and going like yeah get the bag in the back in the car and we have to move we have to move it and being very calm around her but getting getting it together (laughs) between the two of us like getting things together and so she comes out, gets in the car, and her mo- her sounds are not pushing sounds. She is definitely in labor and doing great managing contractions, but it is labor sounds. So then I, they drive off. I drive off behind them, and not four blocks later, the car stops on the side of the road, and I'm going, what's going on? So I park and behind them and rush over and to see what's going on, and... The dad's on the phone with 911 and says, her water broke. And I go like, oh, okay. Makes sense. They stop. Her water broke. And he before they left the house, he had said something about, we better get going because I don't want to ruin the car's leather seats. Let's get going. Sure enough, I was like, he jinxed it. The car seats are now covered in, you know, amniotic fluid. Ha ha. Well, I go over to mom's side and open the door and the sa- I hear one contraction and that is not the sound of labor of labor it's the sound of a mom pushing and it's all we can do to unbuckle her pants and we get one leg out and and you know one leg of the underwear the other side still on her leg and the head is crowning. Baby is coming. So dad comes around and he's again, he's on the phone with 911 and they're telling them what to do. But inside I'm freaking out because this is one, to top it off, this is one of my first births. It's within the first 10 births I've had. So I am not expecting this at all. And, and, but I'm still trying to keep it calm. Right. And so, Baby's head comes out and the dad says, what do we do? And I calmly say, well, bed, head needs to rotate. So baby rotates. So we just, it's all good. And then baby comes out and we both, we're holding baby, you know, together, catching baby. And baby just shoots right out. We hold baby definitely. And he says, there's tons of blood. And I said, that's, that, that's normal. Let's just get baby to mom's chest. And he's on 911. He's like on a different frequency because he's got somebody talking in his ear telling him like you need to clamp the cord and do all these things um and he lets go of the baby and babies are really sleepy and I'm like but no no I did not drop the baby so baby goes on mom's chest and then we're looking for stuff to keep them warm and One of the things that I'm so proud of, and this is just an internal thing, like whatever, that I, as soon as baby was born, I actually looked at my wrist to look at my watch to see what time the baby, the time of birth. And so I looked at the time of birth and then, you know, we're getting mom covered up and everybody warm. And then the uh, ambulance shows up and, and, and the, the EMTs are there and, um, you know, then it got to a place of trying to hold space for her, because it was all crazy, and and oh well, the dad, he was told he needed to clamp the cord, so he took off his shoelace from his sneakers and tied the cord tight with the shoelace, and which was you know such a like such a story, right? And so when the EMTs get there, they're kind of like. Figuring it out and, and talking over the mom. And I sort of introduce people. I go, this is... And say the mom's name. And this is the dad. And and try to calm things down. And they're suddenly talking to each other with the, with the scissors. Sort of saying, you cut it. No, I'll cut it. Like deciding who's going to cut the cord. And I looked up and go, or maybe dad wants to cut the cord? And they go, oh, right, right, right. And then they ask the dad. And sure enough, the dad cuts the cord. And so... Then we all get up and, and, and the, they get in the ambulance and the car stays there and I drive behind them and we go to the hospital and, you know, do the rest of the of the checking in and birth and all the stuff there. But that is the story of, of the car baby. And that is just unpredictable. And I keep thinking back, like, if that were to happen today, would I do anything different? Was it just that we didn't make it to the hospital because I was a new doula? Or was it just because this baby was coming? And I have thought about it long and hard. And it is because this baby was coming. Because when we got to the hospital, um, the midwife was about to leave. It was her shift was over. And she's like, what are you guys doing here? I just spoke to you. And you were so chatty. There was no indication to her when talking to the mom on the phone that this baby was coming so quick. And... When we got into the car and said, OK, let's move, there was no indication that it was she seemed in active labor, but not baby's going to come in 10 minutes, which, in fact, he did. And so there you go. There is the story about um, the car baby, one of my first births. And that one taught me or, or Well, it was one of the things that I learned early about being able to hold space for moms, no matter what's going on around where that baby is coming, whether it's the side of the road or a hospital or at home. Just make sure she has some space to soak in and have it sink in a little bit, even though it's really hard when it comes that fast because you're like, what happened? Um, Yeah. So those two were precipitous. The next one is sort of on the other side of the scale. It's more, I'm calling it the Hail Mary with the team. And it is more about navigating the system and and knowing what's going to happen, what happens with birth, but also knowing what happens with protocols and trying to bring things together to help mom have the outcome that she wishes to have. We'll be right back with that. Looking for a fabulous gift for the expectant mom in your life but feeling overwhelmed by all the possibilities? Let Bump Boxes help you give her a gift she'll really love. Bump Boxes is the number one monthly pregnancy subscription service and a trusted resource to moms everywhere. Each box is tailored to the mom's due date to give a more personal experience, and the products are curated to make her life easier at each stage of her pregnancy. Bump Boxes have treated hundreds of thousands of moms everywhere to a fun pampering experience so they know what works. Each box contains full-size, safe, and healthy products carefully selected and vetted by moms for moms so they can feel confident about the products they use. Signing up is made easy as moms can begin their Bump Boxes subscription at any time during pregnancy and go up to baby's third birthday. And also, there's no reason why you can't get this for yourself. Birthful listeners, now you can join in the fun of Bump Boxes by receiving 35% off your first box in a subscription with code BIRTHFUL at bumpboxes.com. That's bumpboxes.com and use the code BIRTHFUL to receive 35% off your first box in a subscription. Bump Boxes, when you're expecting, they deliver. And we're back with my unforgettable doula moments. And so this next one I'm calling Hail Mary with the team. And so let me give you a little bit of background. This mom, she's a single mom. And one of the things I learned the first time I supported a single mom is that it's kind of crazy to just be one person supporting a mom uh, in a hospital setting, especially because you kind of need one person to focus on mom and one person to focus on the environment. If she's in active labor and transition and really needs emotional, physical support, and at the same time, you have to be talking to to care providers and, and it... it It can get tough to give her your undivided attention that she needs. So after doing one birth like that, I said, okay, from now on, I enlist. Whenever I have a a single mom to support, I enlist the help of a doula in training. And and it's great because it gives her more experience. We do some mentorship. Mom gets supported. It's a win-win-win. So this is the case for this mom. And I'm actually going to let her tell you her, her doula moments and things that she remembers most about it. And then I'll tell you my point of view on it, um, my perspective of what we were doing. So, yeah, here's Kat. So I have three special doula moments. Um, the, first, the one that I remember
2: that's tactile is during delivery... Um, And I was in labor for quite a while and had some really exciting moments. There was times where you would take your fingers and just press from the center up right above the bridge of my nose out through my eyebrows. And it was like that moment because I was all like, you know, keeping all this stress in my face. That would help me relax my body to do what my so my body could do what it needed to do to deliver my child. So that's like the one tactile thing that I totally remember you doing. I know you did other acupressure things too, but that was always the thing that most like left the biggest impression. Um, and then also in the delivery room, um, I was blessed to have you and Stephanie the adorable Stephanie doula as the co-doulas. And I remember like at different points in time, because my friend Heather was there acting as like kind of doula number three, although she was not trained. Um, (laughs) She, you guys would be in the corner. I could hear you guys whispering and game planning and advocating. So I didn't really ever hear the conversation, but I knew that there were um, people advocating for uh, a safe delivery of my kiddo. And then my last memory, which actually is, um, not during labor, so I actually can really remember it, (laughs) is you guys came over for my postpartum meeting about two weeks after Tobias was born. And um, it was the great poop escapade. The kid blew out the diaper, blew out the outfit. And Stephanie went to work washing all of his clothes. And we had Tobias naked, washing all the poop off of him in the tub. And it was just um, a very grateful moment that I had not just two hands, but I had six hands uh, to help me with that first great big poop blowout because that's always an exciting moment for any mother. And those are my doula memories.
0: Yep, and I remember all of that very clearly, um, especially the postpartum the poop escapade, as she called it. So the she mentioned that we were ten, kind of game planning in the back, and what was going on was there was some strangeness happening when when she was pushing in that somebody checked uh checked her around um 3 p.m and said she's 10 and then she starts pushing and she's on her back and and directed pushing and all that and then around four twenty five, uh somebody else comes in and checks her and says that she's only about eight or nine centimeters and that there is a lip and that baby's minus two station which is really high up so that's a whole different story and yeah it's then they start a a, a pitocin to try to get contractions to be stronger it's hard to understand like why all that happened if it was just a different person checking if there was a different hand and so yeah anyway she, it's 4.30 now, but she pushed, but now she's not pushing because she's not fully dilated. And um, Pitocin comes on and Pitocin is on and on and on and on. And finally at 6 p.m., so a few hours later, she's cleared to to push, uh, saying the lip is gone and then she can start now pushing. So it's 6 p.m. And I know she's had like this, she's been at this for a while, is tired and as she pushes, the directed pushing, I don't feel that it's making much difference and time is going by and it's seven o'clock and the nurse's shift is going to change. So I went up to the to the nurse that was still like our nurse and said, you know, can I talk to you a bit? And I said, listen, this is, you know, I'm sure you know, but this is a single mom um, and it seems the baby is not coming down so much what can we do like she really she really needs to avoid a cesarean because it's going to be really tough for her recovering at home and what what can we do like this can i know there's a a time limit for how long she can push before she gets taken into the or so how can we help her the best And I know shift changes kids coming. So what can we do? You know, can we, the midwife checked, but can the OB come? Can we talk to it? Like, what can we do? And she says, okay, let me see what we can figure out. And she went directly to talk to the the OB. Um, But at the same time, as shift was changing, she brought in, kind of rounded up a nurse that used to be a midwife um, that was, a beautiful beautiful that was like the sort of the angel that we needed at that time because she went directly to do leopold's meaning feeling the mom's tummy to see baby's position and she says this kiddo is posterior has she tried pushing on the toilet um and she hasn't because she was on pit and lots of things going on so uh She says, "Okay, but that the moment she had gone to the bathroom, that was a good position for her. It seemed really strong. And only that because she's on pitch, she couldn't with the monitoring. She couldn't do that continually. So this nurse brings in a shower, a shower chair uh, and puts it next to the bed. So a shower chair has you look it up. Google shower, shower chairs. Um, It's a toilet seat like in a in a. In a walker, on a walker, and you can sit on it, and so she sits on it in the middle of the room, like next to so she can still be monitored and but have that sensation and that that movement and that relaxation of pushing sort of on the toilet um and this brings in a new life to the room, and it it's fantastic, you know. Cat pushes really hard while she's sitting there, and we can. She lots of stuff comes out of her, so uh, we baby rotates right, and then she goes back onto the bed. It's now eight p.m. or seven fifty. She goes back onto the bed and starts pushing on her side, and. Yeah, baby's moving down, baby's beginning to crown, and at 9.17, baby is born. So, even though she still pushed for about an hour and a half, this was pushing that actually created movement. Now, remember that she was at 4.30 when she was told not to push because she wasn't fully dilated and only eight or nine she was minus two station which means the baby was really high baby has to go like minus two minus one zero plus one plus two plus three baby's crowning. baby's out plus four f- plus five right so there was a lot of movement that had to happen between that time and and it was crucial to realize, okay, I can see where the path we're going down. If we continue this way, we need to have something different. How can we make that happen? And I, you know, just had a heart to heart with the nurse and said, what can we do? And she really showed up for us and, and came to bat and and made things happen so that as shift change, we got the perfect nurse for this mama at this moment that uh, help get the baby to rotate. And then she could push her baby out and have a vaginal delivery. And and then we could go home and see her and help her with, with baby's big blowout poop. So that is my, um, this, my, my doula moment. That's how I remember the big part that I remember from her story. The next two moments are going to be more about the dads and I'm just going to give you snippets of it because I've realized we still have like five more moments to go. Um, One of them has to do with and as, so what I learned as a doula is about, you know, making sure you're still protecting the environment, but, um, but also I was so excited for this, that where mom's in the tub, she is in transition, birth is coming really fast and furious. It's precipitous. And, you know, she's been saying, I want an epidural, not an epidural. I want Nubane, Like she's trying to coordinate things as, as everything is spinning. And I say, okay, while well, we'll get you the epidural, let's get in the tub. So that you get some relief right now, which you need, until everybody shows up. So we're in the in the bath, and it's super quiet, and there's, you know, dad's just pouring water on her belly. And when she gets into the tub, contractions change. There's a couple of really strong ones, and then they kind of spaced out a little bit more, and she relaxes into it. And dad asks me quietly, he says, is this you know, is this, that things seem different. Is this that time between transition and pushing where things get calm? And because everything was so quiet and the mom was so deeply centered and I'm trying to protect the environment, I kind of gave him a little nod and a shrug, like, mm-hmm. No, not, not wanting to get much into it. But inside, I was jumping for joy and going like, look at you, look at you, listening to the classes and doing all this and paying attention to what we've told you and looking at your woman and seeing what she's going through and, and just realizing that this is that rest and be thankful top of the mountain moment between end of transition and pushing. Look at you. So afterwards after we when we were doing the postpartum i certainly made sure he knew that i was so just am- amazed by him of doing that i let him know that it wasn't just like oh, a shrug but totally validated what he what he saw um so i really love that moment and then this other moment is is tougher in that it's very emotional and it speaks to that emotional <sighs> how emotional birth can be both for the parents and for the doula we carry your emotions and we we're there witnessing the good and the bad um and regardless of what is going on it's it's so key to hold space for those emotions so this was um at a it, it was a stillbirth the baby had had passed and had died and, and this was an induction And mom was so, she's just giving birth right now to her baby. And first of all, emotionally, this was my first experience with a stillbirth. And I didn't, I knew all the theory, but wasn't quite sure how I was going to emotionally react. So I was very anxious about that, but trying to focus on them. And the baby was born and immediately dad is there and the baby is beautiful so I, all my anxiety goes away because i i realized the beauty of what was happening even within the sor- the sorrow the the sadness that was going on um and 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 all the feelings right and dad is there and he's looking at baby and I, kind of trying to figure out what the next step is going to be and i say do you want to hold her And he said, yes, absolutely. So, you know, and he's crying and everybody's crying and the nurse wraps baby up. He sits in a rocking chair uh, and, and holds baby. And he's just looking at her. And I say, go ahead, talk to her. Tell her her name. And that from then on, he was just telling her all sorts of stories and, and her name and how beautiful she was and, and just connecting and having that special moment with his baby while then, and the nurse just sat next to him and then I could go back to mom and know that he was taken care of, baby was in a good place and and then focus on mom who was still during the end of labor with the placenta and having tore a little bit so getting stitches and and, and and all of that. So that was really a, a a strong moment for me of being able to hold that space for dad and just give him permission to connect with baby and, and, and that speaks to a lot of the emotional things that we as duelists also do. Okay. So the next two moments that I have in mind speak to the advocacy part of being a doula and of how we can't speak for our clients but we can make sure their voices are heard and we can politely uh try to make things better for them and creatively especially so the the first one i have in mind this mama had um She It was a tough birth She had preeclampsia So she It was an induction Her water broken Um, There was She was getting magnesium She was getting Hypertension medicine Like things had Gone step by step To make it a, a, A tough journey but she was at this point she was in the pushing stage and she's about to have her baby baby is crowning and because of the preeclampsia and the magnesium and all that you need a pediatric team special to come into the room and the room we were in this time was really small of all the rooms in the hospital this one was on the smaller side earlier on during labor mom had said had taken one look and we had bags and, you know, all all stuff and and food all over the place. And she's like, this room's really cluttered. Like it's, it's too, can, can you guys clean up a little bit? So she, we cleaned up. Um, and, but that's the kind of, she, you know, clutter affects her. (laughs) So then suddenly she's baby's crowning. She's about to push and the room fills with people. And I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about it.
3: My, Favorite Adriana Dula moment, or the thing that uh, got me through the delivery, was when the delivery room was packed with people um, and I had uh, preclampsia, so it was uh, a shit show. And uh, there were three prenatal nurses, there were a couple doctors, there were four nurses, there was my wife, There's Adriana, there was too many people in that room deemed by me to deliver the baby. So I said, there's too many people in here. And uh, Adriana said, throw back the curtain and get behind the curtain. All I heard uh, was, get behind the curtain, get behind the curtain. And they did. And I pushed a few more times and then I had a baby and that was my favorite birth moment. Not because I, of course, then had my son, but just because I knew somebody had my back. (laughs)
0: And it's so funny to me that what she remembers is me going, get behind the curtain, get behind the curtain. Um, So what happened is suddenly as she's about to give birth to her son, the room gets filled with people again. And it's, it's really causing her anxiety and it's bothering her. So I tried to figure out a creative way to have people be still in the room but not feel like they were in the room and I remembered ha ah, the curtain so I asked the nurse is there any reason why people can't get behind the curtain and she kind of shrugged it off and ignored me and pretended she didn't hear me so a few moments later I looked to the attendant and I asked her instead you know this is causing mom anxiety is there any reason why we couldn't have people behind the curtain and she kind of looks at the it was a third nurse she looks at another nurse and tells her could you please do this and the nurse rolls her eyes but does indeed opens the curtain and gets people behind the curtain and then mom was able to not worry about that anymore and go on to deliver her baby this next moment is also about advocating for moms and paying attention to what she you know what's going on with them specifically but it was a very interesting birth because uh they had hired me quite late so we had just had our interview and they said okay we'll hire you and we scheduled our first meeting and Baby showed up three and a half weeks early on the day that we were supposed to have our first meeting. So we really hadn't even signed papers yet. Um, I'll let mom tell you a bit about it. I was on the balance ball.
1: (laughs) Oh, that balance ball. And uh, the nurses, cats coming in, even though we had specified no drugs, uh, the cats coming in and like pitching the drugs. And I think I had gone into transition at that time. And poor Adam, and I say poor Adam, knowing that poor me too, but like poor Adam was pacing and they had no idea what to do and everybody's all, it's just a chaotic scene. It was just horrible. And they had come in uh, this last time for to ask me for drugs and I was starting to question whether I should take them because man, it was painful and seemed like nobody knew how to help me. And so you could just feel that energy like stirring. And I don't know what made Adam think of this, but I'm so glad that he did is that he was like, no, I'm calling you. So, um, so then he just up and called you and you came and, and everything was better. And I like one of the tangible moments that I had was when you kind of first walked in and I could actually like feel the tension and the craziness and the chaos of the room dissipate because people knew where to go and people knew how to help instead of just like freaking out. And so I just remember you when I was on the balance ball saying, okay, you push her knees or you like rub her back or I'm gonna, you know, time the contractions. And all of a sudden the shift uh, went away from she needs the drugs. Oh my God. She's in too much pain to like, okay, we're helping her just another moment. And you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And that was like very, um, it was an impactful moment because I realized that I could do it, that I was going to do it, and that there were people here to help me instead of people. It was not about them anymore. It was about me. And that was really um, powerful to me.
0: And it's really interesting to hear her perspective on it. Cause my perspective is I came into the room and handing dad, like, uh, you know, we're still working together here sign paperwork while i go and help this mom out um and she was she she saw me and she said i can't do this i can't do this this is not i cannot do this and i told her i just got here give me four or five contractions give me six contractions and let's see what we can do before before let's just, let's see what we can do and it was part of quickly assessing the room at the same time jumping into this you know very energetic moment in labor and with a a mom that I hadn't created such a connection with. So I realized she was getting Pitocin and she was also not being able to get a break. And so Pitocin is beautiful and then it reacts very quickly up or down. And this mom was having such an, you know, was feeling like she was getting just beaten, couldn't take a break. So I asked her, I said, look, is it okay? Like, can we talk about this pitocin? Would do you like to explore if it could be lowered and see how your body's doing or what? And she's just like, yes, do it. And so I told the doctor, I asked, is, you know, is it possible to lower the pitocin and just see what her body's doing? Is this, is this a possibility because she's not getting a break? And. I know, like, this is a tricky, blurry area for me because as a doula, I do not do anything medical. So I don't, like, turn off the machine. I don't tell the doctors what to do. I don't, but I like to open up and present the possibility. Just ask. You're just, you know, there's no harm in asking because it can make a huge difference. Um, and so I asked the doctor, and she says, Well, let me check her and see. And she Mom gets checked, and she was eight centimeters, and the doctor says Fine, let's turn it off and that was such a big shift, right because she was in transition, she was not getting a break, and then five minutes later, the pitocin's gone, and she's able to her bot you know, contractions keep coming she's in active labor, but this baby's going to be born, but she can catch a breath, and sometimes as a doula, the whole thing of making, you know, a focus on making moms more comfortable. Yes, heat packs and the tub, but sometimes it can be, why don't we reassess interventions and see if those can be tweaked to better help mom without, you know, without derailing the goal, which is to have a baby. And in this case, it made a huge difference in how mom was able to cope with labor and having a baby. And this birth had quite an, an, another intense moment. In that, after baby was born, baby had to go to the NICU. Um, remember, he was three and a half weeks early, and there were there were some complications. So, baby was whisked off to the NICU. Dad goes with them. I'm with mom, and she's in pain, right? From tore having torn and has some sutures. She's in pain. But the pain is increasing, which it shouldn't be increasing. And one of the things this birth really drove home for me is listen to what mom is saying. She has a perfectly good reason for what she's saying, even if it doesn't make sense in the context of what you think should be happening. Like in this case, that the pain was increasing. Here's a little bit more of the talk with this mom. Yeah. I, I Do you remember what size they said it got to finally? Because you had to go in the OR for baseball. A baseball. A Baseball. So so that explains why your pain kept increasing, even though you had morphine, because there was this growing <laughs> growing hematoma, and you ended up in the OR having to... Um...
1: Well, and then, then it, it rendered the sutures kind of useless because they had to tear me up anyway. So I'm like sitting there going, had you thought critically about you know, the sutures and stuff, you guys could have whisked me right off into the OR right then. And I wouldn't have had a double repair with all the extra scar tissue that I ended up then having. And so I under, I mean, please, like, as you know, like birth craziness, there's so many aspects and whatever. And I know like, I'm so thankful for the doctors who took care of Isaac and like the NICU and, and all that was like, that went into that birth. And I definitely felt that like, if you weren't there, like, I could have died. Like, I, there is no way in my mind that I would have survived that whole ordeal without you, period. Like, absolutely not. And so I think it's so interesting that, like, it happened the way that it did because so many moments, the, the special moments that we just talked about, like, they were pivotal. And, like, we happened to make the right choices. You know, like, if Adam hadn't called you, even though we hadn't met, Then I might have gotten the drugs and I might have died or something bad happened to me because I wouldn't have felt the hematoma or, okay, so we call you and that, you know, you come, but then, you know, you had to leave or you know, like you would have never left me. But like, you know, just very varying places where we could have gone off course where the ending would have been drastically different. And so I'm just I'm just so thankful for you. And I've said this over and over again, but I'll say it like while you're recording, which is like I'm just so thankful that this happened because like and we couldn't have done it without you. We absolutely could not have. And I wish that more people would hear stories like this, which is why I'm glad that you're you know using this for short podcast is because like it, you know it's all about the mom too. Like it's the baby. It's we of course like the baby is a number one, but the baby will get nowhere if the mom isn't isn't surviving and healthy too. And so I think it's so nice and so important to have a doula or a person or, you know, maybe the mom's mom there to like really be the advocate for the mom during the times of need. It's,
0: it's a huge thing. It is a huge thing. And I'm so glad that things actually worked out for her and that it didn't go more pear-shaped and that yeah like she's like jill's saying everybody should have a doula or an advocate or because you need somebody to amplify your voice that is huge and be creative amplifying your voice the next doula moment that i have is so this brings us to doula moment number 10 last one and this happened on january 10th and it was the 10th anniversary of my journey as a doula. So it made it extra special. And my most memorable part of this birth was something that is so incredible and unus- incredibly unusual that when I've talked with other doulas about it and other care providers, everybody kind of goes, huh? What? How did that happen? And it speaks to the power of individualized care, mother-centered care and not just protocolize because what happened was this mom was having prodromal labor so she was contracting for a couple of days Um, finally was just too much said okay let's go into the hospital we went in and she was two and a half which was not very far along and frustrating and disappointing for her but also you know she's not in active labor so at that point usually the the what the the care providers will offer is what's called therapeutic rest, which the idea is to try to get mom some rest because she's depleted, but will start labor soon and needs energy. And in my neck of the woods, that looks like offering some, uh, morphine with Fentanyl so that everything slows down and mom can get a good night's sleep, hopefully, or a good day's sleep, whatever time it is, and then be calm down the contractions that aren't really making progress for so that it either ramps up or goes away. So that was what was offered to this mama, and this is her second birth. During the first one, she did have some some drugs that made her feel kind of loopy and she really didn't like the disconnect between her brain, her mind, and her body. She didn't like the feeling of it. So when morphine was offered to her, she was like, no, I that I don't want to do that. That won't feel good. I'm going to have an epidural instead. And so she does have an epidural It sleeps through the night, gets some really great rest. In the morning, she gets checked and she's exactly at the same place. So being in the same place, dad was super creative in the sense that exploring like, well, this is our situation right now, why not? And and he said, Okay, well then we'll go home. And that's the part that's kind of like, huh? How did that happen? Because once you get an epidural, you kind of get an epidural. You're kind of there for the long haul. But the fact is when she got checked at two third at in the morning and it was two and a half, she's still in the same condition of not being in active labor. And if she had had the morphine during the night and, and being checked in the morning to be two and a half, they would have said, yeah, go home. Come back when you're in labor. So it was that kind of like, huh, sure, why not? You aren't in active labor and okay, you've had your rest, go home. So she got her therapeutic rest with an epidural instead of with drugs. And that's the part that's like super incredibly unusual. um, And... In fact, that allowed her a do-over because at that point, contractions had gone. Were, she was not contracting, so she went home. Had great food, slept, and in the evening contractions started up again. And it was this time; it was progressing labor. She went into active labor, went back into the hospital, had an epidural, and had a vaginal delivery, which was the, exactly the kind of birth she wanted to have, where she was making the decisions and coming from a place. This time, the second time around, coming out of a place of very much owning the birth rather than the first time that she had gone to the hospital during the prodromal phase of it where she was just tired and scared and feeling not that great so that was a beautiful way to celebrate and commemorate those 10 years as a doula with such creativity and uniqueness and having a you know birth expand to whole new possibilities that you know, if you get an epidural, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're there for good. Hmm. I am very grateful to all the moms who let me share these moments today, and especially to Shelley, Kat, Beth, Jill, and Caitlin, who took the time to talk about their doula moments on the show. In fact, I'm going to sort of cheat at the end right now with another mini moment that's not quite from a birth, but certainly one that will resonate strongly with other doulas out there. It's the best feeling ever. So this is from Caitlin, a mom who's had me twice as her doula, and practically the instant she found out she was pregnant again, she gave me a call to make sure I would be available to be her doula once again.
1: Like, when I said to Justin, like, when, when I got pregnant again, I said to him, you know, like, okay, the first person we call is Adriana, because, like, I can't have a baby without her. And he said to me, like, yeah, that's true, you know, but you're you're still super powerful, and you can do it. And I said, I know, I, you're
0: right, but I still want her there. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you, so share with me your thoughts, and if you want to share your postpartum breastfeeding or partner story, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at Birthful, so come say hi. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Fullscript and Bump Boxes. To best support this podcast, support its sponsors, and get discounts while you're at it. Go to bumpboxes.com and use the code BIRTHFUL to receive 35% off your first box in a subscription. And go to fullscript.com BIRTHFUL to learn more about streamlining the delivery of any and all of your supplements. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Sabrisky. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Find out more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Losada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another Maternity Pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.